Hello, Central. We want to welcome you from wherever you're watching from. Hey, before we get into the message, I just want to take a second and just, just remind you that we're in this thing together, and we're here for you. If there's anything that we can do over the course of the next couple weeks and the coming days, um, please do not hesitate to, to reach out to us. You, you can give us a call here at the church. There are a couple of us here every single day. We would love to be able to, to talk with you and pray with you. If you need prayer, you can email us at prayer at yourcentralchurch.com. If there's anything that, that we could do to, to help you or to, to help one of your neighbors, encourage them to jump on our website, yourcentralchurch.com. There's a banner at the top that says give help or get help. And if there's any way, church, that you can give help, please, please sign up on that. There are a bunch of different things that we're wanting to do in the, in the coming days and the coming weeks to help out in our community. And so sign up on that to volunteer. And if you know anybody that needs help, Fill that thing out, fill it out for them, direct them to it um, so we can get people the help that they need. And, and, and honestly, whatever we can do within the resources of this church, we would love to help you. That's, that's why we're here. That's why we exist as a church, to make the name of Jesus famous in our community, but to also be the hands and feet of Jesus in a time of need. And we're in a time of need, and let's just remember, we're in this time of need together. And so let's not push each other apart. Let's pull each other in. Let's pull each other towards Jesus. If you've got a Bible, if you want to follow along, um, 1 Kings chapter 17 is where we're going to be. L let, me, let me set the message up like this. We're in the time of the year where most everybody in the country would be immersed in March Madness. Basketball March Madness. Like in, you have office pools and we're watching games and we're talking about busted brackets and we're doing all of that stuff. Right now, I get it, we're experiencing a, a totally different type of March Madness. But, but this week, just to kind of to break out of that madness, I, I started thinking about basketball. And I was looking at the kind of the, the what ifs. What if we were watching basketball right now? And I looked at how the the polls finished out at the end of the year. And, and, and they were, Kansas was, was number one, Gonzaga was number two, Dayton was number three, and Florida State was number four. Like, that's, that's how it finished out. Those, those four were going to have the number one seeds and, and all across the brackets, and that's where we were going to set at, and that's where we're going to start. But the, the polls finished with those four at the top. Now, real quick question, and this isn't meant to trick anybody. This is just straight-up common sense. Who on this poll right here is the only team that's fully satisfied? Kansas, right? Kansas. They're the only team that's satisfied on this list. Listen, Gonzaga fans, like I don't even, I don't even know any Gonzaga fans. But I'm sure Gonzaga fans are not satisfied with number two. No Gonzaga fan is getting a we're number two t-shirt made up. We're number two. Like you just you don't even say that. You don't do that, right? No Dayton fan is excited with being number three. They might be because that's like the highest I think they've ever been in the polls. But, but nobody, on this, no, nobody on this poll is, is satisfied except for Kansas. Now listen, don't miss this. All of these teams put in hard work. All of these teams have talent. All of these teams put in effort. But the only one that is truly satisfied at the end of the day is who? Kansas. So with that in mind, let me ask you this question. Where do you think Jesus wants to be in our lives? Like if Kansas is, is number one ranked in the polls and everybody can agree that only Kansas is satisfied because they're ranked number one, where does Jesus want to be ranked in our lives? It's not a tough question. He wants to be ranked first, right? That's where Jesus wants. He, he wants to be first. Now, now, now let's be honest. 
Most of us watching, he's probably in our top 10, right? If you're watching an online church service, I'm just guessing he's somewhere in your top 10. And his ranking can fluctuate based on what you've done so far this weekend, right? And I'm not judging, I'm just saying. I'm saying he, he, he's probably, for the majority of us, he's probably somewhere in the top 10. But at the end of the day, he doesn't want to just be in your top 10. He doesn't want to be number eight. He doesn't want to be number four. He doesn't even want to be number two. He wants to be ranked first. He's put in the work, right? I mean, the whole cross and, and, and resurrection thing, he's put in effort. Now, now let, let me say, this, this, this isn't a message where I'm trying to guilt trip everybody. You know, if Jesus isn't first, if you, don't, if you don't make him first, you're a terrible Christian. This isn't one of those messages. Because let, let's be honest, putting Jesus first in the world that we live in, it's hard. It is hard work. I mean, there are things that are constantly competing for our attention. There, there are things that, that just kind of lure us away. Sometimes we don't even mean to. They just, they just pull us that way. And so today... What I want to do, how I want to really start this off, is I want to, I want to share with you um, one of my prayers. And, and I want to ask that, that you make it one of your prayers in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, or even in the coming years. This is a prayer um, that for the past few weeks that I've been praying on a consistent basis that really helps me stay focused. Because, once again, I know that it's difficult. And so let me share with you something that I pray, and it's this. Lord, give me the faith to put you first. Give me the faith to put you first so that I'll get your best and not the world's worst. Give me the faith to put you first. God, give me, give me the faith. Give me the ability. Give me the strength. Whatever words you want to put right there. But, but, but God, give, give me the, the, the faith to put you first so that I'll get your best and not the world's worst. Because every day, Listen to me, every day we're either going to get Jesus' best or the world's worst. Now sometimes, sometimes we opt for the world's worst because it looks better in the moment than what Jesus ultimately has for us. And when I say that, um, I don't mean it's like, here, here's two water bottles, right? This one is, is pure ice mountain, hasn't even been opened yet. This one, I filled up from the toilet. Like, wh which one do you want? Wh which one? Which one are you going to choose? Like, that's a no-brainer, right? Everybody is going to choose the ice mountain. Nobody's going to choose the toilet water. Everybody's going to, that, that, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what, what it is when we have the choice of, of taking what Jesus has for us or what the world has for us. The world, what the world offers us looks more like this. These are deadly. They are. I don't know about you, but if this box is in front of me for, for like more than 20 minutes, like I will eat four or five of these. I, I will. These things are legit, like 350 calories a piece. Now, let's say you eat seven or eight of these every day for the rest of your life. That's going to significantly decrease the capacity for your life. Yes or no? Yes! So let's think about this. Let's take two basketball teams. Let's take the two from the top of the pole. Let's take Kansas and Gonzaga. Let's say they make it to the final game. And let's say everybody on each team, Kansas and Gonzaga, ate an entire box of these right before they play. Quick question, are they going to be effective on the court, yes or no? No! Even though they look great, even though these things taste great, the long-term effects of this multiplied over time 
takes us somewhere that we don't ultimately want to be. We can all agree on that. They look good, they taste great, but too many of these are going to take us somewhere we don't want to go. Let's get rid of those. So when I say, hey, Lord, teach me how to put you first. Give me the faith to put you first so, so I can get your best and not the world's worst. The world has a lot of stuff that looks great, that tastes great, that, that might be great in the moment. But ultimately, long term, it's not going to take us to where we want or where we need to be. I want to show you how this all works out in the story of 1 Kings chapter 17. It's the story of a guy named Elijah. The Bible says this. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab. Ahab is the, is the king at this time period, in this moment. Said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, in ancient Israel, if God wanted to get people's attention, he would send a famine or he would send a drought. And the people would, most of the time, turn their back or, or turn, turn back to the Lord. That, that's what they would do. The kingdom of Israel at this time wasn't following God. Right, right here when this story's going on, I mean, they had completely turned their backs on him. And so God said, I'm going to send a drought. And he told Elijah to announce to the king, hey, there's going to be no rain that's going to come for the next several years except at my word. Now, I'm sure in that moment they laughed at Elijah. They thought he was funny. I'm sure in that moment they were like, whatever, dude. But after an expended period of time with no rain, Elijah became a hunted man. Watch what happens next. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kurth Ravine east of the Jordan. Now, I want you to see something. I want you to notice how specific God's word is to Elijah right here. Don't, don't miss this. When God speaks to us, when God is going to show us how to put him first, he really will speak specifically to us and tell us what we need to do and where we need to go. See, he doesn't tell Elijah, hey, dude, figure it out. You're on your own. No, 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 no. He says, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. Watch what else he does. You will drink from the brook, which is important because there's going to be a drought. So he's going to need water because there's not going to be any water because he's not sending any rain. So the brook's there. So that's a good thing. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Now think about this for a second. Put yourself in Elijah's shoes. On the surface, does this make sense, yes or no? No! I mean, like, okay, if it's me, I'm like, okay, first of all, dude, I can buy into the brook thing. Like, you got some water, cool. I can sit by the brook. I got some water. I'm okay. But you're going to send birds? You're going to send ravens to supply me with food? Here's what's crazy. Ravens were unclean animals in the Old Testament. You were not supposed to associate with unclean animals. But all of a sudden, God is using something unclean to supply the prophet with food. Isn't it funny how God can use what the world calls unclean to supply people when they are in need? You're thinking, Ryan, how does this practically work out? I don't know. But in the context of what we're going through right now, like this text seems to be speaking a lot to me. I don't know what it's saying to you. God, God's saying, like right here, God's saying, hey, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to have water to drink. The ravens are going to go by, and they're going to get you some food. They're going to fly through the drive through They can't go inside, and so they're just going to reach out the window and hand it to you, and you're going to get, like, I don't know, but they're going to bring it to you. They're going to drop it off. This is crazy how this is happening. 
And, and, then, and then look at this. This blew my mind reading this. Verse 5. So he did what the Lord had told him. What? This doesn't make any sense. He did what the Lord had told him. But this is what happens when God is first in your life. It's what happens when God is first. The Bible doesn't say that Elijah prayed about it. It doesn't say that Elijah got together with a small group. It didn't say Elijah got together with an accountability partner and talked about all the wrong things God were doing and God didn't explain his plan. And so it, it doesn't say anything. And listen, I'm not saying we don't need that. I'm not saying we don't need small groups. I'm not saying we're not supposed to pray. I'm not saying we don't need accountability part- partners. I'm just saying in this moment right here, the Bible says he just did what the Lord told him to do. You know why? Because God was first. Because God was first. Because listen, it didn't make any sense at all. But he said, all right, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Then the Bible says this. He went to the Kurath Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he made a sandwich. It doesn't say that. But (laughs) he brought him bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. So what God told him would happen, happened. God totally took care of him because he was willing to put God first even when it didn't make any sense. Anybody connecting with this right now? See, here's the big idea I want to communicate out of this right here. We don't experience the supernatural through the super spiritual, but through simple steps of faith. We don't don't experience the supernatural through the super spiritual. See, right now, we're not in church. We're not able to get into church, and so we're not able to to do all the things that we would normally do and and all the things that we would think would, would, would be spiritual. And so we don't experience, listen, don't miss this during this time. We don't experience the supernatural through the super spiritual. It's simple steps of faith. It's the simple steps of faith where we see the supernatural take place. Simple steps over and over. Simple steps over and over lead us to supernatural places. Don't don't miss this. It's the consistency in the simple steps. It's it's like this. Think about it like this. If if I want to get in shape, if I want to lose weight, you want to lose weight. You go to the gym on a regular basis, and you do proper nutrition, and you eat right. You don't eat the, the little Debbies, right? That's it, right? That, that, that's how you do it. That's how it works. If you go to the gym one day, and you work out one day, and you eat right for one day, the next morning when you get up, you're not going to have a six-pack. Am, am I right? It, it's, it's taking those simple steps on a consistent basis over and over and over and over again where you see dramatic results. That's what we see happening here in this story. Elijah was taken care of by God because he took a simple step of faith. He said, I don't know about the brook and the ravens, but I'm going to give it a shot. Because you say so, God, I will. Let's keep reading, verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Let me say this. If I'm Elijah and, and, and I go out one day, and I notice, like, you're going to be like this too, right? Because if, if you go out and you notice the brook is drying up day by day, there's less and less and less water, you're going to start freaking out. Are, are you? I'm going to because I'm, I'm a freak out guy, as are some of you. For example, how many of you, how many of you, if your car goes below a half a tank of gas, you're starting to freak out? i got to find a gas station. Anybody? T- type yes right now. If that's you, type yes. On the flip side, how many of you are vaguely aware that your vehicle needs gas from time to time, and when the little light comes on, 
that's when you find a gas station. Th- that's me. And so if that's you, type me. Right? Th- th- those are the things we do. How- however, on-, on the other side of all of this, right, if my phone battery goes below 50%, I've got to find something to charge it. How many of you are like that? Like th- that- that's me. How many of you are vaguely aware your phone ever needs to be charged? Right? Let's see, that, that, those, are, those are goofy, but that's what we see in this story. Th- this would have freaked me out. This would have freaked you out. If you're reliant on this being your water supply, and you go out and you see the brook drying up, it's like watching your gas gauge go down. It's like watching your battery die. I'd be freaking out. But Elijah doesn't freak out. No, notice this. God let the brook dry up, but the Bible says this. Then the word of the Lord came to him. See, see I, I, I would have preferred this to be a little bit different. But don't miss this. God doesn't work in systems. He works in steps. God doesn't work in systems. He works in steps. I would prefer that God work in systems. A plus B always equals C. I I would love for God to work like that. But that's not how God works. God was teaching Elijah right here that, hey, Elijah, the brook is not your source of supply. I am your source. I am your supply. I'm going to let it run dry. And and when it runs dry, I'm going to tell you what you need to do next see sometimes sometimes God will let us go through a dry season to get our attention I'm just saying sometimes we see this in the Bible sometimes God will let us go through a dry season to get our attention so that we'll know what to do next because watch what happens in verse 9 then the word of the Lord came to him go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there now this wouldn't make any sense either. But let me explain it like this. This was Gentile territory. Jews were not supposed to associate with the Gentiles. And so don't miss this. In the first part of the story, you've got ravens who are unclean, supplying him food. In the second part of the story, God is saying, hey, I want you to go to an unclean place with unclean people. Isn't it crazy how God can use anything for his good, for his glory? Those of us who are called, and those of us he loves who are called according to his purpose, it's amazing. He says, I I want you to go. Go to the Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food, which now now I'm totally going to freak out. This is totally going to have me worried because widows weren't typically the ones that supplied food. Widows were the ones that needed somebody to supply them with food. So it didn't make sense on the surface. But once again, We see Elijah say, because you say so, I will. God, I I know I'm not supposed to go to those places, but you called me to go there, and so I'll go. It goes on to say, so he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Just like a man, (laughs) always pressing his luck. Hey, honey, can you get me a drink? And um, while you're up, while you're in the kitchen, can you just go ahead and make me a sandwich? <laughs> Always pressing our luck. Right, right, ladies? Not a good thing. At this point, he's gone to where God has called him to go. He's done what God has called him to do. You would expect in this scene for the widow to turn around and go, oh, my gosh, Yes, sir, I would love to get you a piece of bread because God told Elijah earlier, hey, there's going to be a widow, she's going to take care of you. But, but we have a problem. Verse 12, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Don't, don't miss this. 
as surely as the Lord your God lives. In other words, he's not my God. He's your God. He's not my God. He's your God. My God wouldn't let a famine take place. My God wouldn't let a drought come. My God wouldn't have let my husband die. Like, she's a widow. We don't know how her husband died. Maybe he died through this drought process. Maybe she's, she's lost some children. Maybe she's lost some friends. Undoubtedly, she has lost hope. She's going through a tough time. And, and listen, let us not be critical of her because people that go through tough times and lose hope, sometimes it's not that they turn their back on God. It's that they feel like God has turned his back on them. There are people watching right now that maybe you've lost hope. And it's not like you've turned your back on God. You feel like he's turned your, his back on you. And if that's you, I'm not here to criticize you. I get it. I know what it feels like to be in the pit. I know what it feels like to deal with those emotions. I know what it's like to look at somebody and say, hey, maybe he's your God, but in this moment, I'm not even sure he's aware that I exist. I know what that's like. I know what that feels like. When somebody loses hope, and maybe I'm talking to somebody right now who has lost hope or is losing hope, I want you to understand God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly where we are. God knows exactly what you're going through. God knows exactly what what all of us are going through right now. That's why he sent Elijah into this woman's life, not to lecture her, but to love her back to the place where she needed to be. Not to lecture her, but to love her back to the place where she needed to be. Are we prepared to do that, Central? Are we prepared to be the church during this time to love people, to love those around us, to step into the unknown and love people back to a place where they need to be? Because watch this. As surely as the Lord your God lives, not my God, your God, surely as your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Dude, you're asking for bread? I don't have any bread. You want bread? Like, look at me. I don't have any bread. Have you ever felt like God is asking you to give something that you just don't have? You need to love that person. I don't have any love for that person, God. You need to step into the situation. I don't really want to step into that situation, God. You need to help that person. I don't really want to help that person, God. that's, That's what's going on in this text. I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, on the surface, that looks like she's just a bad cook. But that's not it. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean she's a bad cook. It means this is our last meal. This is all we got. This is it. Have you ever felt like you're barely hanging on and you don't know how you're going to make it one more day or one more week? Because right here, that's what's going on. She's like, this is our last meal. And and after we eat this, we're going to die. We have nothing else. We we have no provision for the future. We don't know how we're going to make it into next week. And so we're just going to be content with this is it. This is our last meal. We're going to eat and we're going to die. And then God does something crazy through Elijah. Look at this. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. I want you to highlight those words right there. Don't be afraid. Highlight that, circle that, write that down somewhere in your living room right now. Don't be afraid. Why are we so afraid of putting God first? 
Why? Why are we so afraid of saying yes to Jesus? Why is it so scary? Because honestly, for me, it's scary. I I remember going to church early on when I became a Christian and hearing the pastor say, you need to give everything to God. And I was like, I don't want to give everything to God. Because if I knew I gave every, if I gave everything to God, God would make me a missionary in Haiti. Like, that was my big fear. I didn't want to go to Haiti. I didn't want to be a missionary. I wasn't going to give. And so I freaked out. We freak out. It's hard for us to say yes. It's hard for us to put God first because we're afraid if we surrender everything or if we put God first, he's going to screw up our lives. But in actuality, don't miss this. God wants greater things for us than we actually want for ourselves. God's not out to get us. God's not out to to punish us. God's not out to take away from us. He actually wants better things for us than we actually want for ourselves. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 that his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so so from that, we, we get this. Freedom is not found in the power of suggestion. The freedom really is found in the power of surrender. Like freedom comes when we surrender. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid of saying, Lord, give me the faith to put you first. Because at the end of the day, he really does want better things for us than we want for ourselves. If you're a parent, you get this, right? You want better things for your kids than they want for themselves. That's why we need to redirect them sometimes, right? We understand this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. Go, go home and make the meal. But first, look at this. There's that word first. But first, hey, hey, before you make that meal, there's a step I want you to take. And Elijah knew about taking steps. He, he had taken steps already. He had taken the simple steps of faith. He had taken the steps with the ravens. And he had taken the steps to, to come into this, po- into this spot. But, but she's resistant. And she's lost hope. And Elijah's saying, hey, I understand. And he doesn't lecture. He says, yeah, you go home and, and, and do what you said. Like, I, I, I get it. If I was in your situation, I'd be thinking the same thing. Man, there's no hope. There's, uh, uh, like, I, I 100% get where you're at. He says this, but first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. So do this. Take this step of faith. It's a step. It's a step of faith. It's a small step. Go do this small step. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. In other words, Elijah said, if you'll take this small step of faith, if you'll take this little tiny step, God will take care of you. Now let me ask you this question. Was this a difficult decision for this woman, yes or no? Yes! Absolutely it was. She could have chosen to say, you know what? I'm going to take the easy way out. By the way, think about Elijah. Elijah could have said, I'm not going. I'm not going to the Kirith Ravine. I'm not going to sit by the brook. I'm not going to let nasty ravens feed me. And you know what would have happened to him? He would have died because of the famine, or the king would have eventually come and hunted him down and killed him. This woman could have chosen not to do this. And what would have happened to her and her son ultimately? They would have died. Now, I'm not here telling you, like, if you don't do God's will, that God will kill you. I'm not that guy. All right? I'm not. If that were true, I wouldn't be here. I'm just saying, when we don't put God first, things, things really do die inside of us, emotionally and spiritually. They, they really do. So he's saying, listen, you have an option here. You can, put, you, can, you can put God first 
or you can put yourself first. But if you put God first, he'll totally take care of you. Now, when I was thinking through this and thinking through the practical areas that I have struggled with and that people struggle with, like there, there are two main areas that we wrestle with on a consistent basis when it comes to putting God first. Um, this is just from my ministry experience and my personal experience. Um, these, are, these are the two big ones that people struggle with. Struggle with. The first one is our treasure, putting God first in our finances. Now, I'm going to put all my cards on the table, no apologies, and tell you I'm a tither, which is 10%. I'm a tither off the gross. I believe in it. I don't believe it's an Old Testament principle. I believe it's our principle. I started doing it faithfully the right way 14 years ago, and, and I can't explain it. I, I, I can't, but God has always, 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 always taken care of me. I believe in this with all of my heart. I'm smoking what I'm selling right here. I'm high on my own supply, if you will. I mean, I believe in this because I've seen it work. With that said, I want to acknowledge that finance is the most difficult area to put God first in. Because there's so many things you, gotta, you think we gotta pick and choose from. What are we gonna put first? What are we gonna put first? What are we gonna put first? And, and, and that one slides all the way to the back. Let me tell you why this is so important. And, and, and by the way, let me say this. I say this all the time. If you think the church is after your money, specifically our church, then give it to another church. I don't care. Whatever it takes for you to put God first in your finances, you, you need to do it. The reason I say that is because of something Jesus said. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Don't, don't miss that. Jesus said, you can't give to something without it affecting or changing your heart. That's what he said. Over time, as you give, your heart really does experience change. It, it's, a, it's a difficult area to surrender. I get it. But once you do, you will be amazed. Not with what Jesus does with your money, but with what he does with your heart. Promise. The second area we have a tough time putting Jesus in, putting Jesus first, is our time. It's our time. Now, let me tell you what I've caught myself doing the past few days. Social distancing is killing me. And so I've caught myself looking at social media more and more and more. I, I caught myself one morning, I, I woke up and I checked my phone. And I didn't just check my phone, I went through every single app on my phone. Facebook, what's happening here? What's happening, what's going on, what's going on? Snapchat, what's going on over here? What, oh my gosh, look at, can you believe what's happening in this story? Mary, look at this. I, 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 I looked at emails, I had to return. I, I, I played Coin ma I didn't even know what Coin Master was two weeks ago. And now I'm at level like 77. Like, it's crazy. Battle Royale, Clash of Clans. I hadn't opened Clash of Clans in two months. And, and before I knew it, I had spent an hour and a half in bed giving my phone the first hour and a half of my day. Now listen to me. I'm not one of those put your phone down guys. That, that's not me. I'm not put your phone down. I'm the guy who says we spend way too much time on our phones. Here's why. Here's why I don't say put it down. When I was growing up, I had those parents that were always telling me I was spending way too much time on video games. Some of you remember that? How many of you remember? How many of you had parents told you you spent way too much time on video games? Today, there are people who make over $100,000 a year playing video games. There are e-sport, like college scholarships. Like I couldn't believe this. Going through stuff with Chloe and all these different scholarship options and all these things. There are actually video game scholarships to universities. It's crazy. And so I like to say I'm broke because of my parents. I believe that with all of my heart. I could have played all these video games. I could have been doing something way different now. 
Anyway, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys who says, just put your phone down, don't ever, ever, ever look at it. I'm not one of those people. But for me, my normal is I get up every morning, and I use my phone. I use the Bible app on my phone, and I give God the first few minutes of my day. That's what I'm challenging you to do with your time. God, give me the faith to put you first. Give me the faith to put you first so I'll experience your best and not the world's worst. What's it going to take for you to, to give God your first few minutes of every day? L- listen, when I, when I say put God first, I'm not saying four and a half hours first thing in the morning. J- just try this week. Let's just say the first five minutes. First five minutes when you wake up belong to the Lord. How, however you connect with him, connect with him that way. If, if it's through uh, uh, reading the Bible, read the Bible. If, if you need an app, U version, Y-O-U version, like that's an incredible app that you can put on your phone. It's absolutely free. I use the MacArthur Study Bible app. It costs like $6. It's awesome. You can write notes in it. It's got like four different versions. It's, it's really cool. But, but if that's you, like get your app out, get your Bible out, read. If it's listening to a worship song, listen to some worship music. If it's prayer, pray. It, it doesn't matter. What is it that, that, that connects you to the heart of Jesus. Figure out what that is and just do it for five minutes every day. Try it this week, every day for five minutes, and you will be amazed at how God, over the course of the day, will actually multiply your time. I'm telling you, it absolutely blew my mind when I caught myself doing it, and when I stopped and I got refocused, I was actually able to get more done by putting God first. Listen, just five minutes. Five minutes. You can do anything for five minutes. Do anything for five minutes. Give God the, the first five minutes of your day and watch how he multiplies your time. Watch what happens. This is so cool. Verse 15. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. Once again, don't miss this. Simple steps of faith. Simple steps. She didn't yell. She didn't scream. She didn't cry. She didn't pray. She didn't fast. She just said, all right, this is what God wants him to do. Like, I, I think she figured, I got nothing else to lose. I, I'm going to die. I might as well do it, man. I, nothing else to lose here. I might as well do this. She went away and did as Elijah had told her, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with, with, with what the word of the Lord was spoken by Elijah. She had the courage to put God first, and God completely took care of her needs. That's what happens, church when we put God first. That's why I'll come back to this prayer that I'm challenging everybody to pray this week. Lord, give me the faith to put you first. God, give me the strength. Give me the ability. God, give me the faith to put you first and so that I will experience your best and not the world's worst. Because God really does have our best interests in mind. He really does. Believe it or not, he really has our best interests in mind and not the world's worst. And so would you have the courage in the coming days to say, you know what, Lord? Give me the faith to put you first. Even when I don't understand what you're asking me to do, like Elijah, even when I've lost hope, like the widow, God, give me the faith to put you first so I can get your best and not the world's worst. Let's pray. Right now, wherever you're at, heads bowed and eyes closed. God, God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that your word is, is living and active. Thank you so much for everybody hearing this message. Right now, church, again, wherever you're at, just take the next five or ten seconds and just pray, Lord, give me the faith to put you first.
so I can experience your best and not the world's worst. God, help me put you first. Help me put you first in all things. Maybe right now you need to, you need to pray, God, show me my next step. And show me my next step. Show me what it is that, that I need to do. Maybe for some of you, maybe there's somebody out there watching right now that your, your next step is just to simply give your life to Jesus. You've never done that. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord, to be your God, to be your King, to be your Savior, to rescue you. You don't have the opportunity to put him first every day to experience his best because you've never asked him to come into to your life. And so if that's you, wherever you're at right now, if, if you would like to ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you, to be your Savior, to be your King, right where you're at, just, just in your heart, just say, Lord, thank you. Jesus, I, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. So right now, I ask you to come into my life and take over. I surrender everything to put you first in my life. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I confess that you rose from the grave. And right now, I ask you to be my God, be my Lord, be my King, be my Savior. Save me from myself. Save me from this world. Jesus, from this day forward, I will follow you the best that I can every day for the rest of my life. In your name I pray, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know. Comment in the chat, chat box or, or click the live prayer button right now. Um, somebody will jump into a room and, and pray with you or, or drop us a message. On, um, send us an email at prayer at yourcentralchurch.com. We would love to, to help you take your next step and celebrate with you and, and follow up with you. Church, again, we want to thank you so much for being with us. Um, stick, stick around right here. We're going to sing a worship song together. Love to have you back next week. Again, if there's anything that we can do to help you, please reach out to us and let us know. Let's stay connected in this time.